Hi, this is Doug Manch, and you're listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. Yes, welcome back, loony listeners. You are listening to Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. You are with your High Priest, Ray. I am here, unfortunately, men down, or man down. I had a couple of co-hosts lined up, unfortunately, due to some scheduling issues, last-minute scheduling issues, uh, fellow Lenny Josh Geronimo Johnson was going to join us. He can't make it. A little shout out to Josh. How are you? Um, hopefully we can get Josh on again. Uh, it was going to be early morning for Josh and he's unfortunately had to do some work-related stuff. And the long-anticipated return of High Priest of Konshu, Konishu, was going to make it. But unfortunately, poor Konishu up there in Sawumba's had some problems with some technical difficulties. So uh, best of luck there. Connor, my good sir. So you are with, yes, you guessed it, the High Priest of Conchu Ray, and I'm here again to give you all the latest and the greatest. So welcome, 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 loonies. Yes, this is a, a bumper episode tonight, although it is just, you know, boring old Ray to give you the show, but we've got a, a few exciting things for tonight's show, so um, wanted to to press on and to release it. I just can't wait. Um, first up, I wanted to outline tonight is obviously, well, not obviously, it is a Lunapic Classic Run review. So those of you who remember last week, I got the Phase of the Moon wrong. It was meant to be a Classic Run last week and a Modern Run this week, but we're swapping it around. So it's going to be Classic Run it's going to be a review this week of um, Doug Mench's Volume 1, Issue 11, To Catch a Killer. It's, it's a one and done, so, you know, whether that's fortuitous or not, uh, I'll I'll be having a look at that. Um, it should be pretty, pretty concise and pretty compact, because it's just the one issue, um, but there's still plenty of stuff to talk about. Also, as well, loonies, patroonies, everyone involved... Uh, this may excite some, it may excite none, it has excited me because <laughs> um, I have just so much fun doing it. We are releasing our monthly episode of our serial adventure, The Hunt for Conchu's Golden Scepter. That's a bit later on tonight. It's a big one. It's the it's got the biggest cast that I've had to actually edit and pull together. Um, I've had a lot of fun doing it. Um, more on that later. But we have uh, yeah our February episode for that episode nine, which I have entitled "The Man of the Stars." And of course we have well we have some news, views, and truths. <laughs> I'd like to say it. I'm always I'm all about the jingle. Um, so yeah, just a, a couple of bits of news. Uh, and, uh, you know, my views on some of the things that have come out potentially Moon Knight related. Now, to kick off, as always, I wanted to give a big thank you to our gracious Patronies. Of course, you guys are listening to this 
one day ahead of everyone else. So a big welcome, um, a, a little greeting there before as well for those special patroonies. So thank you for sponsoring and basically co-producing our show but i'd also like to mention we have a couple of sponsors for our show as well our regular sponsors hello headphones um they sponsor this episode and this show Uh, but also for this particular episode we have an additional sponsor podcorn connecting unique voices to unique brands so um we are very happy to have podcorn on as a sponsor for for this episode Anyway, also, loonies, let's get cracking. Um, First up, I just want to do a a spectacle. I want to do some shout-outs. A bit of housekeeping out of the way before we get into the the meat of this episode. Um, First off, you may have heard before, uh, I am now co-hosting a a monthly, end-of-the-month show on the Ultimate Spidercast, part of Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks. Um, and they are fellow collective members. We do a, a a spotlight on Scarlet Spider, so we'll be taking it from his origins all the way up to present day. It's going to be a massive journey. Uh, I love Scarlet Spider, literally because of that damnation um, crossover that we did, and and ITK. We ended up covering the Scarlet Spider tie-ins because there was no Moon Knight tie-ins. Um, but yeah, I found him a very intriguing character, so I'll be an ongoing guest co-host for that at the end of every month. So um, we've already kick-started with our first episode uh, with fellow hosts Phil, Phil Meun Perich, and Matt Kona. Um, very capable, very funny fellows indeed. Also as well, a little plug to my other podcast, Last Sons of Krypton, Why Not? I'm here. It's a Superman podcast. Um, one of the uh, our latest episodes dropped now. It was a a review on Red Sun, which is uh, a, a big, arguably one of the classic Superman story arcs. And we had Superman Red and Superman Blue, Tyler and James from the Krypton Report joining us for that. So that's just dropped recently as well. You can hear me there. So uh, a couple of a couple of podcasts. You know, if you want more than Moon Knight, and if you somehow find my talking engaging then you can catch those but uh catch it for the other guys they're they're um they're really good very fun stuff very entertaining indeed uh other spectacles i want to give a shout out to our t public store so i've been slowly releasing more and more designs there i think we've got about nine or ten different designs there on the itk store you can go check it out i've posted it up on our group and on the page as well um yeah, if you um, consider buying them, the they will they will actually aid the uh, the funding of this show as well. A couple of cool designs there. A shout out to Randolph Benoit who designed one of them, and of course Wayne Wayne O, uh, a a good friend and uh, fellow loony as well. He's contributed some fantastic artwork there. So um, check it out and show your um, allegiance for Moon Knight and and for ITK as well by considering buying a a t-shirt or a mug, what have you. It's all over there on TeePublic. Links in our show notes as well. Also as well, I've actually included a a, a t-shirt for The Hunt for Conchu's Golden Scepter as well. So if you like our serial drama, wear it with pride as well. Spread the word. Anyway, also loonies as well. Hmm... This is going to be cool. I might potentially be opening up a can of worms here. 
Before I get into that, actually, a big shout out to the Signal of Doom, Dave Finn, and my other co-host from Last Sons of Krypton, Connor McKenna, rocking it as I rock it here. Solo, those guys are recording as well, so be sure to catch the Signal of Doom and Dave and Connor um, talking about anything and everything in geek culture. It should be fun. Um, yeah, a lot of fun indeed. A big shout out to you, Dave. He said he'd give us a shout out on his show as well. So, you know, we're just working in tandem. Uh, Dave likes to call us the gods of the game. Uh, I just love podcasting. So, yeah, you know, I'll take it. <laughs> anyway, back to this other thing I was going to say, loonies. Okay, I've got something for you. So anyone who's been listening regularly, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Really appreciate it, and I hope you love the content we deliver. I'm going to step it up a level here. Okay, so last week... I was hosting a show with a special guest, Chad, The Power of Chad, and we were talking about the Bendis comic, and well, dag nam it, there were errors aplenty from me. I do apologize. I'm very ashamed. I like to get my facts straight. I like to do some research, but every now and again, things slip up and uh, the wheels fall off the cart. And um, anyway... I'd just like to interrupt my ramble with a little something that I got from um, Phil. So he actually sent in a correction. This was with regards to the the Bendis issue. Bendis um, was issue number five, I believe. Anyway, I'll play this now. And thank you very much, Phil. He's ambushed the show again. Take it away, Phil. Hello, fellow loonies. It's me, Phil Parrish from the Capes and Lunatics and the Capes and Lunatics Sidekicks podcast here to hijack Rays into the night again. Uh, I just wanted to drop in with Ray's permission, of course. Hi, Ray. Um, I wanted to drop in and say, hey, did everyone catch the, uh, I don't want to say mistakes, but the little faux pause that Ray made last episode? Well, first of all, the biggest, the biggest crime was Ray didn't know who Allison Blair was. Allison Blair. Come on. I can hear Noel. I can hear Josh. I can hear all of you. (laughs) All of you loonies, you big Marvel fans screaming at your uh, whatever device you listen to your podcast on. Just like me. It's like Allison Blair, Ray. You don't know Allison Blair's Dazzler. But he did confess that later on he did remember. Uh, must have been hitting the wine too much, old man. That's right, old man. Ray, two months older than me. That's right, you are an old man. Anyway, back to what it... And, again, while covering the uh, Bendis Moon Knight run, Ray also said that Bendis created TikTok... Uh, not so, my good man. Uh, TikTok was first created by Ann Nocenti and Brian Postman in Spider-Woman number 50. Uh, he also later appeared in, uh, Captain, a uh, Captain America run and, uh, other books in the 1980s. He also appeared in West Coast, well, Avengers West Coast in the 1990s with the Night Shift. So, yes, all of these appearances way before, like decades before, uh, Mr. Bendis would start writing for Marvel Comics. So, 
I don't know if Ray was just like a little punch drunk or something, you know, covering all this Bendis stuff. Bendis, Bendis, Bendis! Uh, but I don't know. We forgive you, Ray. But again, yes, I wanted to uh, come into the house that Moon Knight built and set the record straight. And also, <laughs> sneaky plug, I didn't even tell you I was going to do this, Ray. But yes, uh, uh, fellow loonies, if you enjoy the works of Ray here or on his other podcast, Last Son of Krypton, or on the uh, 50,000 podcasts he uh, guest stars on constantly, uh, you can f- come over every, t- well, yes, every the last Tuesday of every month on the Capes and Lunatic Sidekicks podcast, Ray is going to in- join me and some of my uh, fellow co-hosts. On talking uh, Ben Rowley, the Scarlet Spider, uh, we just uh, recorded the first episode. We talked about Ben Rowley's first appearance in Amazing Spider-Man 149. And we're going to start working our way through the 90s stuff. And eventually we'll get to uh, some of Ben Rowley's more modern appearances. But again, it's only going to be once a month, so it'll take us a while to get there. But yes, come every Tuesday on the Capes and Lunatic Sidekicks, you'll get uh, Ultimate Spider Cast. But again... The last week of every month, you can hear the great Ray talk to us Americans about some Ben Rowley, the Scarlet Spider, because this man is prolific. This old man is prolific. Yeah, that's right. Again, two months older than me, Ray. You're going to be the old man always. All right. Thank you, everyone, for putting up with this. And back to Ray. Take it away, old man. Yes, uh, thank you there, Phil. Phil, Phil, me and Perich from Capes and Lunatics, a, a good friend, fellow podcaster, fellow collective member. Thank you, Phil, for uh, pointing out that I am the older one. Look, we are the same vintage. I am a little, a little bit more tart, <laughs> if that can somehow be translated from, you know, an allegory of wine. I am a bit older, Phil. Thank you very much. Not necessarily any wiser but definitely older. I can't take that back. But thank you very much, Phil. Yes, and uh, apologies. I forgot Phil did mention he did plug uh, the Scarlet Spider, the Ultimate Spider cast. So, loonies, you hear it twice. Go listen to it. It's pretty fun. We've done one episode. We've got another one coming out uh, towards... uh, When is it? Oh, yeah, we're we're recording ahead. So it should be a lot of fun. but thank you very much, Phil. And yes, oh my gosh, I I did text Phil um, a couple of days ago, just out of the blue. I was listening to his show and it just occurred to me who Alison Blair was because uh, I didn't know it on our show. I mentioned that to Chad, but of course she's Dazzler. I can't believe it. I, I followed the X-Men in the 90s, not so much now, but her name rung a bell. I just could not place it. But thank you, Phil. He's pointed it out. And of course, TikTok. My gosh, I had no idea. He's very much kind of like a Bendis-y kind of character, you know, with a really weird power and not that interesting a character. So it kind of seemed like a Bender's character, if I'm to be really kind of a bit mean again. But um, thank you, Phil, for pointing up on that and uh, and TikTok being an back to the 80s, a Captain America villain. Uh, so Looney's what I wanted to say. Okay, so you are listening right now. I am going to put it down in stone, okay? I'm going to call it the... Marvel has the no prize award. I'm going to go for the Faf award. 
Okay, so this is um, our own little thing, F-A-F-F. Okay, if you hear Ray, just me, I'm not going to put it on my other co-hosts. If I somehow faff it up um, with the comic book references or or um, information, I want you to call me up on it, okay? And the first person to do that uh, with a particular point uh, will get an ITK, uh, I think, sticker or, or a pin. I'm going to fork it out. Why not? Um, it's going to keep me in line, make sure that I'm not going to be forking out hundreds of stickers and pins to everyone, but you'll get a an official ITK sticker or pin. Let's make, a, let's make it a competition, eh? Let's make something fun of it. So the FAF Award, just keep an eye out for that. When you're listening to our uh, podcasts and our episodes, if I FAF it up, call me out on it and you'll get rewarded so i'm putting that down in stone phil unfortunately um i've only come up with this now after your <laughs> after your corrections so if you call me up on it again by all means sir i will send you an itk sticker or a pin anyway so loonies uh, there you go a little bit of housekeeping now i want to talk about some current comics that have come out uh, and of course, we are all chomping at the bits for the Age of Conchu that is coming out very soon. Now there had been a little bit of talk, a little bit of speculation as to whether Moon Knight appears any earlier than issue thirty-four, which I think has been pitted in the April solicitations for the Age of Conchu. So Avengers thirty-one came out uh, this week, and I read it. I thought it was good. I mean, I've been on and off the Avengers by Jason Aaron. I've enjoyed what he's done. I didn't really enjoy the the um the first arc with the Celestials, but uh, I've been very much enjoying the vampire stuff um, and the Ghost Rider stuff. So this was a one and done. It was um, Tony Stark set in a million uh, was it a million or a billion years um, ago. He's stuck in time there in the, in the caveman era. Um, it is a little controversial, I think, in the sense that it, Jason Aaron plays with Howard Stark and in his role and the relationship with Mephisto. Um, so spoilers here, okay, guys. So if you haven't read Avengers Thirty One, please, um, yeah, please tune out for the next three, three or four minutes. Anyway, uh, unfortunately, I had to I had to read because I thought maybe Moon Knight might show up or it might have some sort of inkling towards the Age of Conchu. Not really. It does develop though Tony Stark and his relationship with uh, Mephisto, and and Howard Stark, his father. Um, so I guess without giving too many spoilers away, uh, I thought it was a, I thought it was interesting. It was about Iron Man. I guess how he'd survive in that era with very little technology. His vibranium was running out, his suit was becoming useless, so he has to devise other ways to um, create some armor for himself to to stave off what he comes across cavemen and and, and serpents and and monsters and beasts. Um, So yeah, I won't say too much other than there really is nothing with Age of Conscious. So maybe 32, I mean... We're kind of all thinking that there might be some precursor to the actual Age of Conscious. I reckon 32 or definitely 33 will have Moon Knight in it, but um, we'll just have to wait and see. And that actually brings us to some white noise, our news. So moving right along, the first bit of news is uh, Jason Aaron kind of 
sits down, has an interview. Uh, this was on Newsarama, and he talks about the oh, a huge story, which is which is the Age of Conchu. Um, it's Moon Knight versus the Avengers. It's a very good read. Go read it yourself. I'm not going to rehash it now. The link is in the show notes. It also has um, some preview art by Javier Garon, and this is moi miraculous stuff really fun stuff uh, without giving too many spoilers because i don't think it does spoil much it has an image of dr strange up against some mummies some uh, zombified mummies and it, uh, it also has a, a small little snippet of moon knight um, meeting up with thor which is pretty cool and uh, and then this is awesome one of moon knight kind of he's been in bandages as well he's got the mr knight mask on and he's meditating or something and there's uh, iron fist coming up um to greet him so you know the art looks really cool um it reminds me a little bit of jason burrows maybe that was because of the um the horde of of mummies um kind of overwhelming dr strange it reminded me maybe of that that bemis jason burrows run but uh it looks very cool indeed and man age of conchu this is something that all loonies are waiting for so so very exciting um yeah i i, I can't wait for it uh, so that's big news. Um, Jason Aaron, his first kind of big interview about it. Um, go check it out. Uh, it's, a, it's a good read as well. Now, apart from the comic side of things for Moon Knight, uh, there was a bit of news during the week about the, the production of the TV show for Disney Plus, Moon Knight. And there seemed to be differing opinions. So on the... Um, what's on disney plus blog it mentions that moon knight will be filmed in november and despite what had previously been um, leaked that there'd be a lot of things shot at pinewood studios in the uk um, much of the shooting in november will be in atlanta the same place where um, the winter soldier the falcon and winter soldier show is to be shot so uh I think this is not that surprising. I mean, I don't think there was ever going to be exclusively shot in the UK. There's always going to have to be some local shots uh, in the US. Um, so it's no surprise that they chose Atlanta for it because it's a very popular spot, I guess, for shooting um, TV shows, i.e. The Walking Dead. I know that at least. Um, so, yeah, so that was released. So uh, the other interesting bit is filming will begin in november so um so things are rolling on so we were looking at maybe casting news soon we know the writers involved maybe some plots maybe some set photos down the track but november still a little while away but it's a lot closer than you think um this is also coupled with articles i read in screen rant which uh, speculated shooting to start in fall which is uh, November's late fall, I I believe, um, in the Northern Hemisphere, because we would be going into spring over here. Um, so that makes sense. So that aligns with the, the What's on Disney Plus blog. Um, but interestingly enough as well, HN Entertainment says that there would be some shooting of Moon Knight, the TV show, in California. So I'm not sure how true that is. Uh, I'm not sure how true any of it really is. But at least it seems that the sources that have um, approached Screen Rant and the What's on Disney Plus blog seem to align together. 
Um, I'm not sure the validity of HN Entertainment, nor where they got their source from. That shooting is in California. But anyway, that's the news for, for Moon Knight TV. Okay, loonies, we are moving now. <laughs> we're going to... We're going to head to a break, but before we do that, um, we are going to go on to our, the hunt for Conchu's Golden Scepter. Yes, this is episode nine, titled The Man of the Stars, and if you can read the, the episode description, I've deliberately left out a, a, um, a cast member or so. It's a bit of a surprise. I hope you dig it. Um... I'm going to play it now, then we'll go to a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors, and when we come back, we'll, we'll get into our review. But settle in. Loonies, I don't know if you're in the car or something. I don't know if you're just listening to this, you know, at work um, with speakers. Go get yourself a good pair of headphones. Nestle into a nice comfy chair. Get yourself a hot cuppa or get yourself a nice drop and uh and savor this this is a lot of fun so i'm going to play it now enjoy the man of the stars episode nine So let me get this straight. Shortly after we left Bosco Verde, Dustin and Josh may have found a lead which may or may not shed light on who's looking for the scepter. Yep, they're at one of their safe houses now lying low. They've got one of the local crime lords with them on the Culo Grandes cartel and they're requesting extraction now. I don't know, Ray. This whole operation's a bit of a dog's dinner. We've got no idea where the scepter is. We don't know if what Justin and Joshua found will yield any answers. We can't find Chad since we lost contact with the ITK jumpbook in the other void a few weeks ago. Tommy at least is still feeding us leads, but Connor's disappeared ever since they staked out the Chilean embassy. Maybe I can help. Ugh. For the lover, where the hell did you come from? We're sitting in a booth. None of that matters now. I know where Connor Shu is. I was just with them. We ran into some trouble. Trouble? Yeah, the kind of trouble that goes by the name of Sobek. Damn it. I was hoping this whole fiasco wouldn't involve deities. I guess I just hoped it was someone knocking off antiques or some crazy, obsessed cult. So, you were with Konoshu. Where are they now, Noel? Are they okay? They're perfectly fine. We had a little help along the way. Once this flashback music begins and they cue the googly goggaloo flashback sound effect... I'll start recounting our tale. Connor Shu and I ran into Sobek, one of Set's minions and the god of the crocodiles. We counted on a fight for our lives, but what we didn't count on was getting a little help. Steady, we got this. What? What the? What's that light up there? It's like a meteor coming down straight for us. I suggest we take cover now. <coughs> Chad? As in the power of Chad? Is that you? 
You can't stop me, man of the stars. The orb is mine. You will die like the rest. Come get some. Whoa. That's right, Chad's gone cosmic. No, could you take us to Connoisseur and Chad? Of course. If what he's saying is true, despite having the cosmic power of Chad, we'll need to call up more loonies. Sobek and the other agents of Set are now involved. You're right about getting more help. Even though Chad had been upgraded to some cosmic level shit, it wasn't enough in the end. Sobek got away with the Orb of Horus. No! Shit. We've got to get to Conchi's Scepter as fast as we can. With the Staff of Osiris already destroyed, and now the Orb of Horus in the hands of Sobek, we're running out of time. Right. Let's head off with Noel, Rebecca. We can swing by downtown. I know some loonies who may be of assistance. One of them tinkers with some high-grade tech. Could give us a bit of an edge. The other's always handy in a pickle. They're not powered up like Chad or anything, but I think we'll need everyone we can get. If we're talking big hitters, we may do well to moonjet over to the UK. I think I may know a guy. Biscuits, brew, bread, chicken, I think I'm good to go. Oh, now pickles, pickles. Where did I keep the pickles? Ah, there. We'll just let that pot of tea steep for a little bit. Hmm, wonder who that could be. Hi, my name's Lolly. Can't make a donation to the Girl Guides. Well, hello there, young lady. Why, of course, always willing to support the leaders of tomorrow. What have you got there? Well, there are badges for 50p, or some club pens for a pound, or letter openers for pound fifty. Well, they certainly look very, very splendid. And for a good cause, too. I, uh, a lolly. Is that blood? Why is there blood on that letter opener? Well... The little girl did put up a bit of a struggle. Lolly? The brat started screaming when I held her down. Uh, I... On second thoughts, do you know what? I think I might just pass on the donation. I don't think I have any change. But, Doctor, I don't need any money. I'm just like a soul! Well, Lolly, unfortunately, you gave the game away the moment you rang my doorbell. What sort of master of the mystic arts would I be if I didn't have some defense spells cast on my door? Alarms which you tripped when you placed your slimy fingers on my bosom. You interrupted me from my turkey brie sandwich, my pot of tea, and my wagon wheel biscuit. And I can't have that at all. 
bloody hell. Five demons in four days. So what is going on here? This episode is sponsored by Podcorn, the marketplace for podcast sponsorships. Do you have a brand you'd like to share with the world? Or are you an up-and-coming podcaster looking for sponsors? Why not consider Podcorn, a new platform that connects podcasters with brands in a collaborative and flexible manner? It allows podcasts of any size to easily connect with sponsors, as well as giving brands another voice in which to advertise. So alongside host-read ads, brands now have the opportunity to promote their product via interviews, giveaways, or reviews on podcasts. This allows brands more of a direct connection to the listeners and their target audience. Having used Podcorn as a podcaster myself, I've found the opportunity to expand our show into the night too good to ignore. So check out the link in the show notes for further details. Podcorn, the next generation for native podcast advertising. Yes, welcome back, loonies. This is Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast, episode 135. And um, just before that break, you heard episode 9 of the Hunt for Conchu's Golden Scepter. So a bit of a reveal there, a new character. I'd like to tip my hat off to John Harrison, John Doc Harrison, from TV podcast industries, he's stepped in, and uh, he's a new character in our slowly building universe, Dr. Hex. Yeah, we've got our own master of the mystic arts. So uh, things are building, a team is building up against the might of Set. So a lot of fun there. And also a, another big shout out to, to Molly Southgate. She did an absolutely fantastic job as Lolly, the girl guide, turned demon zombie um a lot of fun thank you so much everyone um noel rebecca connor adam uh, chad as well for that it was um, a lot of fun anyway loonies we are now looking at our lunar pick reviews a classic run review um it is volume one issue 11 by doug mensch penciler and inker bill sinkevich colorist chrissy skeel Letterer um, Janice Chang and Rick Parker and editor Denny O'Neill. This was released in September 1981. It's called To Catch a Killer. And um, it's available on Marvel Unlimited. You can find it still in Comixology or the Marvel Store, digital store. Uh, it's still available on Floppy. You've just got to check your bargain bins or your back issue catalogue. Uh, and I'm reading, oh, I've read it, and I will be flicking through it on my Epic Collection, Volume 2, Shadows of the Moon. I do love my Epic Collections. I've, I think I've become a bit of an addict. Um, I'm glad I've got all the Moon Knight ones, because a couple of them are hard to find now. Anyway, so, what we do, listeners, for those that don't know, I will go through a synopsis, a bare bones, 
telling you what the story entails in case you haven't read it and you just want to understand the story. Um, I will then go into some aspects, and this is writing art, themes, characterizations, and references, and I'll cap it off with a moon rating. And I think it's becoming more and more regular. I will be tapping into the Konishu rating system. So, um, yeah, so that's pretty fun. We've got um, a bit of feedback as well. It'll be good to discuss. But um, I'll get into the bare bones. So this is courtesy of Wiki, and I shall read it. Let me just clean up a few things on my screen. Okay, I will read it now for you to catch a killer. Following an increase in cocaine traffic, Moon Knight breaks up a drug deal beneath a Manhattan bridge. He tells the two men he's only interested in the big boy. One of them, named Creed, attacks Moon Knight with surprising strength and then flees. Moon Knight knocks the other into the river and calls Frenchie to pick him up, dismissing the two crooks as strictly small fry. Back at Grant's mansion, Moon Knight changes to Stephen Grant. A woman arrives looking for Mark Spector. Grant, who is also a Spectre, learns her name is Isabel Crystal and summons Frenchie. She is Frenchie's true love. She leaves a package with him for safekeeping. In ten days, she will return for it and for him. After she leaves, Frenchie tells Marlene what happened. Long ago, he and Crystal had an affair in France, but the strength of their passion frightened Crystal. She left him to find herself and to forget. Frenchie also tried to forget by becoming a mercenary. They met once more in Africa, where she was working for an agency of the French government and aiding a rebellion. Six days later, they learn that Crystal has been murdered. Frenchie opens a package which contains $250,000 in cash. The box is from Ritter's in New Orleans. Jake Lockley, who is also Grant, investigates. According to Crawley, Cajun Creed killed her for failing to deliver a shipment of cocaine. Lockley deduces that she traced the cocaine pipeline from France to New Orleans, went undercover in Creed's outfit and delivered a shipment to New York. She took the payoff to Frenchie, intending to wrap up the case, quit her job and keep the money as a nest egg. Frenchie swears revenge. Mardi Gras in two weeks will make excellent cover. Once in New Orleans, they disguise themselves. Frenchie is a pirate and Moon Knight as Moon Knight. Eventually, Frenchie finds Creed in a bar in the French Quarter. On a bet, he's holding a bench over his head with four women sitting on the bench. Frenchie steps up behind him and says, Creed, Isabel sends her love. Creed drops the bench. Out on the street, Moon Knight sees Frenchie and Creed burst out of the bar. He throws a crescent dart to disarm Creed. Creed throws Moon Knight into a crowd and flees. A clown keeps Moon Knight from pursuing, but after some persuasion, says that Creed's lair is a warehouse at Ursuline's and Rampart. Frenchie has overheard the information um, because he's gone when Moon Knight turns around. Moon Knight finds a warehouse and inside crates full of cocaine. Frenchie confronts Creed, but is surprised by a confederate who shoots him. Moon Knight drops the confederate with his truncheon and goes after Creed. Now prepared for Creed's strength, Moon Knight dodges a few blows, but Creed catches him in a bear hug from behind and squeezes. Unable to break the hold, Moon Knight uses a double-barreled over-the-shoulder punch. The fight goes out for Creed. He confesses that things happened exactly as Lockley figured. He caught Crystal on her way to the French embassy and tortured her for five days. All she would say was that um, she was planning to retire with Frenchie. 
Moon Knight is about to punch him when Frenchie puts a hand on his arm and says, No, Mark, let me. Swacked. Two days later, in a cemetery outside Paris, Frenchie puts a rose on Crystal's grave. I am ready now, he tells Spectre. I have made the break. So, loonies, yes, that was To Catch a Killer, Volume 1, Issue 11, massively written by Doug Mensch and skillfully penciled by Bill Sienkiewicz. Now, overall impressions, I found this issue rather enjoyable. It was a nice one and done, um, and it's always good to return to Mensch and Sienkiewicz, and there's a huge level of bias here. Um, I do love the classic run, um, and I love seeing these little bits from Sienkiewicz, which um, kind of shows his art uh, elevated beyond um, other typical artists as well. There are just little things. So if I jump to discussing about the art, um, a lot of it, he seems to... There are a lot of, I guess, references that he uses with people's poses and their faces, which is not uncommon with comic book artists but he seems to flourish with it and and the setting that Mensch does with the Mardi Gras and with the band there's a beautiful page um there's a beautiful page in it where there's a marching band and they go through um and just the way that Sienkiewicz draws it is is brilliant I'm seeing if I can pick it up here yeah so for our Petrunis um you can probably see a bit of it there with the tuba um, some guys holding an umbrella, they're all dancing and swaying in the street. Um, it really does catch a vibe of the carnival feel. Also, Sienkiewicz, what he does, and I love it, he's, um, he's, this technique he uses to show, I guess, the scattering of light, filtering through stuff or bouncing off stuff and coming towards you, the viewer. So, again, you get it on that, on that page. Oh, I've just lost it. Uh, you get it on that page... Um, with the Mardi Gras with the sun kind of filtering through the trees. There it is over there. And later on with Moon Knight's gauntlets, um, the light bouncing off it. Brilliant use here. Look, I mean, have you ever seen an artist do that? Um, he's really created, he's starting to really create his own style here. And this is like chalk and cheese from his earlier stuff, which was heavily influenced by Neil Adams. Uh, this is, he's doing his own inking. Um, his layouts are, are, are quite different. Moon Knight's always looking good, um, but his close-up facial expressions of there's Cajun Creed, just really, really beautiful art as well. Um, some of the colouring for this, for me, it seemed a little lacklustre. I don't know, maybe maybe because I was focusing more on the art, the pencils and the inks, um, so the, the colour didn't pop out to me as as much as some of the colorists um work do on other issues and other runs of moon knight but um art wise i think it was um yeah i mean it, it's just interesting to see um Sienkiewicz kind of develop as an artist himself and and you can definitely see that in this issue um bouncing back to the plot look i've got just some bullet points here basically as i mentioned in the synopsis the woman from Frenchie's past returns. She's embroiled in some drug trafficking. Um, she dies uh, after meeting Mark and Frenchie, and Frenchie swears revenge. Look, this is uh, what I think they call these as fridging. I mean, she's very much used to um, propel the story forward 
by her death uh, coming about. This is like a typical example. And uh, and at the end, Isabel is redeemed um, as after it's revealed, despite what Mark had said, that she was trying to come clean and she was trying to do the right thing. She she wasn't trying to run away with the money um, and just uh, dump it. She she was eventually going to go to the authorities. Uh, that was revealed with Cajun Creed later on. So a, a pretty... Um, I wouldn't say simple because what it does, what Mensch does, is he actually he frames that story of um, this drug trafficking, this crime, and interweaves it with a bit of French's history, uh, a bit of his origin, which is interesting. So we get a little bit of an insight into Frenchy, French's origin now. Like we do know, um, we do know of his origin. It was outlined briefly in issue one um, because he's very much a supporting caster mark specter but we know he's a mercenary but we now understand why he went into the mercenary game um, it was purely for this love that he had for isabel crystal um, similar to how she kind of left um, it's kind of a bit very good i'll put down here for a theme it's very much a tragic love tale isn't it um, they loved each other so much that they they couldn't hack it so they so they went apart um you know love is a crazy thing but um yes they had to find themselves first uh, they they all they wanted to forget as as i mentioned in the bare bones about but not being able to handle this love so frenchy goes to the the mercenary ways and and isabel does um, she works for a, a French agency um, and a rebellion. Uh, yeah, quite quite interesting stuff. And and so with this becomes a, um, I wouldn't say the whole thing at the core is about revenge, um, because a lot of the story is very evenly told. Um, it, it's very much a, um, I was about to say that the first bit is an introduction to to the criminals to, to Creed. Then we get the um, the backstory introduction of Isabel Crystal and the backstory of Frenchie is the middle part. And it's just the third act, really, that has Frenchie uh, vying for revenge and it kind of tying up with the criminals that Moon Knight had come across uh, at the Manhattan Bridge. So, um, yeah, not as a simple story as it would seem, um, but Mensch does well to balance all these aspects. Uh, he doesn't overplay the Frenchy origin that's told quite concisely in a in a flashback um and you could argue as well i guess with the writing um nothing too flamboyant happens with the action um but then again with much of mensch and we know that he loved the non-powered superheroes uh, there's nothing flash that happens moon knight basically he's a he's a fist punchy guy and he um he uses crescent darts and truncheons. That's it, but nothing flash. He's a good fighter. I mean, he takes on Creed, who's superhuman in strength, um, but there's no bells or whistles. There's nothing extraordinary uh, what he does. Just a guy in a suit, really, just um, who can fight really well. Um, so your writing-wise, I found, yeah, that's how I, I found it, a very taut, um, very taut story, and there was enough to it to keep interest going. Um, the dialogue wasn't too heavy, I thought, which is good. I mean, it's synonymous with the time, uh, 1981. 80s comics are very different, or late 70s comics are very different from today's comics. So if you're unfamiliar with uh, comics of that era, you may find it a little wordy. But um, compared to most of the comics of that time, it's not uh, not any less anymore so. Uh 
also again uh, with art i've got another note here just some of the things that Sinkevich comes up with and i'm sure it is him it's not mensch uh, there's this thing where french is retelling you know his um tale with isabel crystal and their love and then how she eventually left him and the way i was reading it was okay so this is in the script and this is what mensch did and so it's really up to Sinkevich to, to to show that. And how do you show that? How do you show um, someone leaving someone else? You, you know, uh, the typical thing that comes to mind first is that you probably have a panel of Frenchie picking up a letter or something um, to show that Isabel has left. Or, uh, yeah, I don't know, an empty house or something. But what I really like is... Um, I just found this one. This is a small detail, but I just found it really impressive. That last panel there, again, Petrunis can see. To show that someone's left Frenchie, it's a silhouette of Frenchie. You don't see much detail, but you know he's sad because his, his shoulders and his head is bowed, but it's framed with some empty coat hangers, uh, and it's framed with the door of the closet and the... Um, and the railing that comes on top of the the so I think it's just a really an, an economy of, of art to actually sell you they say a picture paints a thousand words and and really that does embody you know the feeling of Frenchie what has happened um, all in just one small panel so again just those little points really lo- yeah I just love how Sinkevich does it and again again I'm talking about these these pictures again Petrunis can see that. Um, really nice picture there of Isabel Crystal crying, referenced. Um, he plays with ultra close-ups, um, kind of there as well. And then there's this also, and again, you've got to bear in mind, say how cinema is around this time, 1981, and what they do. It is, you know, with the, the effects that they can do. I mean, sure, they could have done it in the 80s as well, but... I find it to be done in comics to be quite good as well. So the top two panels here, you've got Frenchie recounting a tale with Isabel Crystal walking away through the door. His profile remains the same and it kind of morphs into him recounting with Marlene in the background. So just a couple of examples of, of um, yeah, how Sienkiewicz really does lay out his art um, and how it works really well with his, with his drawing. Um, so to go into themes I put in here, I mentioned uh, there are a couple here. It's that tragic love between Frenchie and Isabel Crystal. They can't fulfill their love. Um, they both kind of were pushed apart because they were scared by it, um, and they both went their different ways. Uh, it's also partly Frenchie's origin. I mean, as I mentioned, you, you get to see why he, he entered the, I guess, the French Foreign Legion and became a mercenary. It was because of Isabel Crystal, which makes me think I'd love to see a bit more of Isabel Crystal. I know she she, part, she died in this issue, but um, they they really could have made more of her, I think, because she's such an integral part of Frenchie's backstory. Um, anyway... Another underlying theme, obviously, through the third act, as I mentioned, is this story of revenge. Um, Frenchie gets really mad, and we said, and I've got a note here on characterization. Um, Frenchie actually gets told off by Mark of Moon Knight when they're in the Mardi Gras. Um, Frenchie 
being a little obsessive with his behaviour and he should kind of cool it a little because he wants to keep on looking for Cajun Creole. And Moon Knight kind of gets annoyed and goes, okay, let's let's keep on looking then. Uh, you don't stop, do you? Um, so I found it funny how Mark thought he was obsessive considering the very nature of, of Mark Spector himself kind of calling the kettle black there. But Frenchie has been. Look, this is an early 1981 um, version. We do see later in the Mark Spector Moon Knight run how obsessive Frenchie can be. Um, so that could be that is consistent with his trait when he, again, I think I mentioned it last episode, when he um, wanted to track down and wreak revenge for um, upon Killer Shrike, who kind of um, crippled French Frenchy back then. Uh, so yeah, so the story of revenge and the theme as well, again, I wanted to point out this thing of, of, of fridging. Um, it's now become a term in modern day, but it's very much uh, apparent here. Um, Isabel Crystal really is the, um, I guess, the catalyst for the story, and her death, and her torture, and her death um, is the thing that propels uh, Frenchie to tell, tell about his story, um, to dig deeper into this whole cocaine trafficking, to catch up with Cajun Creel. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, one of the signs of the times, I guess, um, but I found it very obvious in this, considering what we're more aware of these days. Um, with characterization, I, I noticed um, Moon Knight still made a few jokes here and there, which is pretty cool, but the difference between him here making jokes and him being a goofy idiot in, say, Damnation... Um, I think they're very different. I mean, he, he can still be a little smart-ass, like he is here, cracks a few jokes, but he's still kind of got that presence of um, a, an intense, you know, serious um, fighter. Whereas I did find in the likes of, say, Contagion, um, and to an extent a little bit, I mean, although it was, it was um, dialed down a bit in Serpent War, he he becomes a little bit more wisecracking, where we see here he's not really wisecracking. Only there's that one one bit where he punches the clown and says like, "Keep the change." I mean that's very, um, you know that. Oh, what does he say? Uh, here's your chance. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll get to that later. I know Josh likes to talk about that um, that panel, but. Yeah, apart from that, he doesn't joke around all the time. I mean, he's he's pretty much a serious kind of character, but he doesn't mind um, the odd the odd remark. Maybe he's kind of like Arnold Schwarzenegger then, with his one-liners. Um, Marlene mentions Mark hardly sleeps as well, so we get an insight into how driven and how obsessive Mark is himself uh, as Moon Knight and his um, mission to you know, be the avatar of vengeance, uh, he prevents, you know, he doesn't He doesn't sleep as much as he should, and Marlene calls him out on it. Um, and, uh, oh yeah, character, I show, um, I mentioned it as well, um, there's a little bit of jealousy on Marlene's part as well when Isabel Crystal comes, but that's quickly snuffed um, when it's revealed that she and Frenchie are, are the item rather than she and Mark. Mark has no bar of it, and he and he kind of just shuts Marlene down. Not now, Marlene, he says. Um, 
you know, where she's just merely asking the question. Uh, yeah, um, also as well, I guess we are looking at a different time and a different era, uh, characterizations of Mark. He's not gone down that road of losing all his friends, losing his family, um, being crippled himself. I'm talking about the Houston run, where he becomes very dark and he's capable of, I don't know, crashing a plane into the side of a building or ripping a guy's face off. He's not at that point yet. Uh, this is more classic Moon Knight, where he's not just a bloodthirsty killer, um, but he still has this very strong moral of, of doing right. Um, and he pulls Frenchie back as well, so it shows that he has... Um, he has a, a level of of, um, of controlling his temper um, and, and not go overstepping the line. Uh, so again, a very classic take on Moon Knight, which mentions um, forming. Uh, Frenchie's shown as more passionate, as more depth. I mean, previously, Frenchie's just been as, seen as the guy who's repairing the chopper or flying the chopper or... Um, uh, he hasn't been doing that much, really, um, if we're looking at issues 1 to now, 1 to 11. Uh, he does fly in um, and help Mark. Uh, he's very much very much a support character, but we see a, a little bit more of him here, how passionate he can be, um, so we get a bit more insight into his character, which I think Mench is trying to grow. Um Uh, and also, finally, characterization. We get a little appearance of Crawley as well. So it's always fun to see Crawley and Jenna's diner. We don't see Jenna or Rick or Ray, but we see Crawley. And what surprised me, but hey, he's meant to be the guy that knows everything. Crawley dishes all the goss on Cajun Creed. He seems to know much about him. Um, how he's a bit of a legend around the traps um, in New Orleans. Uh, and, uh, you know, the sort of business he kind of conducts, you know, with cocaine trafficking. Um, so again, Crawley very much the um, the person that will give the information to Mark. And it was good to see. Uh, we saw, uh, this was very much a Mark Spectre issue, but it was good to see. We see a bit of Jake Lockley with his fake moustache going in, getting the um, the word on the street there from Crawley. Um... Okay, so in that was in characterization. So we're pretty nearly done. The only um, things I had were references. Uh, there was obviously there was a little reference to Mark, uh, sorry, to Moon Knight issue one, with uh, the origin of Frenchie and Mark uh, meeting in Africa as mercenaries. So that was told in Frenchie's flashback. So that's a a little reference to issue one, and there was also references, I believe, to issues eight and ten. Of this run because we it's a bit of a running thing we know in issue eight um, Frenchie crashes the moon chopper moon copter uh, and he crashes it into the river and from eight onwards Frenchie's been trying to repair and build this new moon copter and he does so in in issue 10 um, but by this issue 11 marks making mention oh, the engine sounds still a bit rough do you think you can smooth it out so um, I like that uh, this this running continuity that Mensch does of um, it's not forgotten, like that detail of the moon copter. Um, uh, we're seeing progress of that in the Mensch stories, um, so very cool indeed. Also as well, I mean, I wouldn't say references to other runs, but we see his um, his 
pool secret entrance to his uh, to his mansion again. Um, I wonder how long it takes before they get rid of that. I mean, that that appeared a few times. It appeared in the Spectacular Spider-Man as well. Issues 21 and 22, I think, um, with Cyclone and, and Spider-Man, uh, when Moon Knight brings him Spider-Man to the, the Grant Mansion as well. That was done before this uh, 1980 series. Um, so we still get a lot of the classic elements, um, again, referenced here. I mean, so overall, as mentioned, um, I did enjoy this. I thought it was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I would give it, um, judging by Connor's, Connor's Hughes rating system, I'd give it a firm uh, 6.5 out of 10. So that is something in the vicinity of a, um, what is it called again, Connor? Getting Small Moon. It's in between that and a solid round boy. So 6.5. I know I I know Phil, Phil uh, pull me up on it. He's you always you know you t- you always give it around a seven. I do hover around there. Look because it's not something extraordinary. So now I'd start giving eights nines if something was really good, and um, if something was just passable, I'd start to give it five. So six and a half is is starting to get there. It was an enjoyable read. Uh, I did not find this a chore at all, um, but it's certainly not something that. You know, it's a one and done as well. It's something that I wouldn't, you know, read every year or something like that. I'd be happy to read it, but I'm not going to return to it again and again. Um, it's just a nice little uh, little issue. If anything, as I mentioned, I'd love to see Isabel Crystal back somehow or, or at least retconned. Um, I know um, Frenchie's persuasion has changed since then, but I think it would be good. Uh, it's still valid, Um you know his past love with her uh, i'm i think that would be really cool to to still introduce into any future titles so six and a half there loonies um i hope you enjoy it uh now i've got a couple of bits of feedback one of them related to this issue uh, and it was posted up on our facebook group i put up a discussion thread uh, and this is from josh johnson who unfortunately wasn't able to join us Um, for this episode but he's written in and josh says firstly the phases of the moon lined up perfectly for this issue because mardi gras just finished up this week overall a solid issue i did see uh, i did like seeing some of frenchie's past however it did seem like a generic how can we give a side character a story Ah, interesting. Lost, uh, long lost love resurfaces plot that's been reused dozens of times in comics. It does feel like this is a sort of a Uncle Ben story for Moon Knight because if he'd had uh, stopped Creed at the start of the story, he'd never have brutally ice picked Isabel to death. Ah, oh, interesting point there, Josh. I would not, I did not make that connection, but um, it is one of those missed opportunities, isn't it? Speaking of that opening fight, Mooney must have put a lot of strength into that crescent dart throw considering it pierced through a big pack of coke and a thick wad of bills. Um, maybe it was really sharp. The action, I think, is pretty good throughout and it was nice to see swashbuckling Frenchie accompany Mark in the field. I also love how once they're in New Orleans, amongst all the partying and dressing up, Moon Knight just walks around in his costume like it's nothing. Yeah, a nice little touch as well. He doesn't have to, doesn't have to dress up. 
a good one-shot story, but not a super standout one. I'd rate it a waning gibbous, a 7 out of 10. Uh, the best part of, this, of the issue is when it's revealed when Moon Knight threatens to rip a thug's face off his skull about 25 years prior to him actually doing it to Bushman. <laughs> I had a nice loud laugh when I came to that part. Thank you very much, Josh Geronimo! Johnson. Um, yeah, that is um, that is funny. Uh, I had to reread it, look back because uh, we we were chatting, and, and Josh said you've got to you've got to you'll pick this bit, and it's pretty funny. Uh, and it, it passed me the first time, so I I went back and I I trawled through the issue. And I saw it, and it's like, yes, ah, he's wanting to rip a guy's face off. I get it now. <laughs> so, who knows? Maybe Houston picked it up from this very issue. Maybe that was the colonel that made him decide um, to have Bushman's face ripped off. But thank you very much, Josh, for that. Um, nothing from our Facebook page or Twitter or Instagram, but there was something from YouTube that came in early in the week. And again, this is from CMK7, people, people, boop, uh, also known as Chris Kelly. Uh, hi, Chris, a big shout out to Chris. This was on episode 133, and this was the episode Avatars of Vengeance that um, I hosted with Rick and with Joey, uh, Joey Mega Man, or Mega Joey. Anyway, um, Chris says about that ish episode. Great review on this. Nice job, guys. It's such a relief to hear this review. I was so close to downloading this game just to play Moon Knight. I even went to the point of researching setting up the mobile emulator to play on my desktop because I'm not into these types of games on my phone. After tracking it for a while, I came across the same conclusion, seeing the spam of only a few moves over and over again. Game's graphic looks great, though. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Um, yeah, I mean, you share our sentiments. Um, I like still playing it every now and again, and I don't mind playing on the phone, basically because I play when I'm on the go, and and there's, um, you know, there's some time to kill. Uh, like I mentioned, I'm not a, a, I'm not a true gamer in a sense, but I do like dabbling every now and again. But yeah, I, I agree. The game's graphics are great, so um, yes, totally agree. Anyway, loonies, I think that will wrap up um, a sh slightly shorter episode. Is it just, um, it's just your high pressure country, Ray, here. So, um, yeah, we might as well wrap up now. Next phase is going to be a waxing gibbous. So that means it's our over-the-moon trade arc review. And I had a little thought about this. I had a little think about what to do. And so I'm trying to veer away from Moon Knight solo titles because we're going to cover their single issues anyway. So I was looking for more kind of obscure Moon Knight appearances, and I think I've come up with one. I haven't read this, so it's going to be good. It's a three-issue arc. It's from Hulk, issue 7 to 9 of 2008. It has Moon Knight in it, uh, amongst um, a few other characters. Should be a lot of fun. From the looks of it, oh, I can't... I can't vouch for. Oh, I'm not going to be. I'm going to be careful. I don't want to do the old faff award. Anyway, it's Hulk, number seven to nine, two thousand and eight. We'll be reviewing that next week. Should be a lot of fun. Uh, as always, I'd like to make mention we are part of the collective. Um, so a whole network of podcasts. We all have the same visions and the the same 
kind of goals for what we do um, a lot of them are character based a lot of them are geek culture based so a big shout out to um, you can watch because they're there on youtube as well like um, i am your target demographic great guys there adam a big shout out he's done some voice work for our serial drama uh, we have a hulk um, they have some great interviews they review movies tv shows and comics as well and and of course as i mentioned the signal of doom those guys are still burning bright as i speak they're recording not that far away from where i am as well so yeah we are the collective just check us out um you can hashtag the collective net on twitter and that should come up with stuff um about the collective or um you can check out the collective uh the twitter handle at collective pods i believe it is um otherwise just check the link in this episode uh, that should take you straight to a uh a directory with all the shows there so you can just um, go straight to their websites um, you can contact us we love hearing from you um, please drop us a line on email itkmoonnight at gmail.com we're also on facebook twitter instagram youtube discord get vocal now i'm on get vocal as we speak we have a website on libsyn and wordpress uh, as mentioned as well we have a patreon page i do uh, recommend that you guys check it out consider dropping a bit of coin there it is very much appreciated and um, there are definitely incentives for doing so and uh, and on podcast pod chaser as well so check out that too um, i'd also like to thank again our sponsors hello headphones and our sponsor for this episode podcorn um is a great um great to have sponsors on our show um please check out both uh, hello headphones uh, with the the code itk moonlight you can shop on hello headphones online and get 10 percent off um that's an incentive um so please check them out um if it's to enhance your listening of our audio drama then go ahead do it i'd do it it'd be, it'd be good uh, and Podcorn as well, a great platform where podcasts and uh, advertisers can come together and uh, and help each other out, collaborate. iTunes rainy, oh, that's a bit of a bit of a blur. iTunes ratings, um, if you if you like, please give us an iTunes rating. It always helps. The more ratings we get, the more we get out there. Look, we're we're bracing ourselves, loonies. We have the Age of Conchu, then we have the TV show later on. Uh, um, I'm hoping that we see a lot more loonies. Um, I, I want us, our community, to be to be the place that Moon Knight fans can come to con- congregate and to share their fandom and to have a, a very um, harmonious community where we kind of encourage and support each other. So. Um, if you haven't, if you can please rate us, that would be great. We'll shout it out on the show. Why not? Um, and yeah, we'll be forever grateful. And finally, yep, all good, all good podcast catches. Oh, I'm starting to kind of mumble now. Um, so anything that you're listening to now, but Spotify as well, we're on that iHeartRadio, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, yeah, you name it. I, I listen to uh, my podcasts on Podcast Republic on my Android phone. That's a really good app. Um, so I believe there are other ones as well, Podcast Addict, all of that. We're all on there. Check us out. Um, should be a lot of fun. Anyway, loonies, I think that's it for me. Be good to one another. Enjoy your comics. Um, keep reading, and as we always say, 
may Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. More night and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.